The subtle difference, and it is an increasingly blurry difference, if I'm honest, is that a user experience designer is is focused on providing a better experience to connected customers, so customers that use digital channels. Um, But that doesn't mean that we don't look at non-digital channels. You know, no matter what you try to build, no matter what kind of stuff you are working on, the user experience is in the center. Without user experience, there's nothing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Paul Miller, and you are listening to Digital Workplace Impact. It's a podcast where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices, and people who are impacting the new digital worlds where we work. The show is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, DWG, for those of you who don't know about DWG is a strategic partner and boutique consultant firm. It covers all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and consulting services. And if you want to know more about DWG, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com. The episode today is a subject close to many people's hearts in the digital workplace field, and that's usability, UX, user experience. And I decided to get two really um, different and I think really illuminating guests on the show. One of them is Paul Boag. Paul has a fantastic and very long-standing podcast called Boag World, and you can find that at boagworld.com. He is somebody who runs uh, Boag Works. He's a user experience consultant, and he's just an all-round fascinating person on the subject of user experience. And my other guest, who I met only recently, is Anil Kumar. And Anil is a director of IT, for employee experience at Verizon, the telecoms firm. He's a technologist focused ruthlessly on employee experience for the 177,000 employees beyond the office boundaries who work for Verizon on a day-to-day basis. We touch on aspects of user experience such as where does work begin Do you start when people, if you like, start their working day or do you start when they get out of bed in the morning? Interesting views around that. Um, There's some mention of of the problem of trying to design uh, user experience services for people who do so many different things you'd never expect, some of them involving cats. So with that, I will hand you over to our two fascinating guests, Anil Kumar and Thank you very much. Good to be on. Thank you, Paul. Great to have you both. So can I start off with you, Paul? Um, I mean, you've been covering and and, uh, broadcasting about user experience for for many years. I think you've done maybe three or four hundred episodes of your um, fantastic podcast. What would you say is the value of focusing on user experience in, in the world of work today? I think we've kind of reached a point in industry where 
customer experience, user experience is, is one of the key differentiators now in most sectors. As sectors mature, they go through a series of, of phases, if that makes sense. So to begin with, it's all about, you know, getting to be the first to market, just getting a product out there that works. And then once that has happened, what tends to happen after that point is you then move into a stage where it all becomes about the features, you know, who can support the most features, who can uh, provide, you know, uh, the, the most things that this whatever it is does or offers. Then beyond that, you start moving into usability. You know, how simple is it to use? And then finally, that then becomes part of a broader experience, a broader, you know, customer support and, and, and all the various other aspects that make up the user experience. So its primary benefit is one of kind of a differentiation, but it also, I mean, it can make significant cost savings when applied to internal processes of making uh, the experience of, of staff and employees um, more streamlined and better. Can also um, say make savings when it comes to customers as well because you get less support calls which are always expensive but it also can increase profitability because you get more word of mouth recommendations which means that you have to spend less on marketing and promotional costs and also you retain customers much longer and as you know anybody will tell you the cost of acquiring a new customer is much much higher than getting repeat work from an existing customer so really the user experience can pretty much help with most areas of business i mean i've just focused on the monetary aspects but you know, you name a part of business life, and user, you know, user experience design can certainly help with that. That's really interesting. And do you think that the the world of user experience within work is distinctly different from the world of user experience in the consumer? space so when you say work, are you talking about internally within an organisation, or are yes. you talking B two B? No, I'm talking about for people working. I mean, Anil's from Verizon. Sure. I'm not sure, Anil, how many employees there are in, in, in Verizon. Um, but there's uh, a few hundred thousand. And I'm thinking about the application of, of user experience for a community, if you like, um, like that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It- in some ways, it's different, and in some ways, it's the same. Obviously, the difference difference stems from the fact that the user is it has a different experience, a different relationship with the with the company. So, therefore, that that alters some aspects of of, of user experience design in that context. But generally speaking, the same kind of processes um, for creating a better user experience applies. Um, obviously, the company benefits are very different. So, you know, it, instead of being primarily about you know acquisition of new customers and therefore increased profits, you're tending when you're looking looking internally, you're tending to look at cost savings and efficiencies and that kind of thing. But the process you would go through for, say, built, you know, um, creating a, a digital workplace compared to a digital customer experience is actually fairly similar. It's the same kind of methodology and tools involved. Mm. And just um, for the listeners, Paul, just, just explain how you see your work and, and what typical projects you get involved in yeah yeah because uh, uh, it's really interesting i just wrote a post on this relatively recently because i call myself a user experience designer and as soon as you use the title 
user experience designer, it's certain, it immediately conjures up certain things. It, it makes you think of someone who sits down in front of Photoshop or Sketch or whatever the latest app is and, and creates wireframes and user interfaces and that kind of thing. But, but really that, what, what that is, is a user interface designer. A user experience designer tends to look a little bit more broadly at the, the user's experience. So what do I mean by that? Well, the experience doesn't stop at the edge of the screen. The experience, say, of, of, of making an e-commerce purchase extends, whether you consider that a good or a bad experience, has got a lot more to you know, involved in it than just was the website good. You know, it will depend on the delivery, um, how efficiently the delivery came, whether something could be returned easily, whether when you spoke to someone on live chat, they they answered you promptly and instantly, whether you got the level of service and support that you wanted, all of those kinds of things. So a user experience designer is somebody that looks at the, the user experience in its entirety, wherever that goes. And essentially, so, so in a, a lot of ways, it's got a lot of overlap with a, um, a customer experience expert that looks at the customer experience. The, the subtle difference, and it is an increasingly blurry difference, if I'm honest, is that a user experience designer is, is focused on providing a better experience to connected customers. So customers that use digital channels. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't look at non-digital channels. So for example, I spend a lot of my life looking at things like um, governance and strategy of the organization as a whole, and even restructuring departments and teams so that they can work more efficiently in delivering a good service to the end customer. That's fantastic. And I loved your, your, your explanation and, and the distinction there, Paul. And Anil, um, I mean, you and I met, I think, um, last October over at the Verizon headquarters and, and I was really fascinated by your role. And I kind of thought to myself, my God, there's an awful lot of major organizations who'd love to have somebody like you doing the kind of work that you're able to do at Verizon. And, um, uh, it would be great just to uh, have you explain, Anil, how you see the work you do and the, and the role that you carry out at Verizon. So I, I play a role of uh, employee experience director in Verizon. And if you would have talked with somebody a few years back and asked them, what is employee experience? They would have told you employee experience is confined within the office boundaries. But that is not so true in today's world. We have a very virtual workforce which works pretty much from everywhere, from office, home, or even from the Starbucks. So in that case, we have to draw parallels between the customer journey and the user journey. What does that mean? Now, the employee experience is not confined within the boundaries of office. Instead, it starts from anywhere, whenever they want to touch anything about work. For instance, in the morning, when you get up and you want to come to work, the first thing comes in the mind, how do I get there? They want to know the direction to the office. As soon as they come to office, what is the first thing come in the mind? Is where do I park my car? They want to know the parking spot, how easily they can get to that parking spot. 
once they park it the next moment they will think okay where do i sit today in today world we don't have assigned seats we are working in a world where there's a free sitting means it's all activity based workspace then they need to find a seat as soon as they find a seat next thing is they need to collaborate with their fellow employees now the next thing comes in mind is how do i collaborate do i use email do i use im do i use some other means to collaborate with my fellow employees so you can see clearly that it's not only digital workplace or within the office building where you create employee experience employee experience have gone well beyond the office boundaries and that's why i try to draw parallels between the customer journey as paul said earlier and the employee journey from the time employee starts from home to the time they retire from the work i won't even say go back to home instead i say retire from work which means the employee experience is now 24 by 7 similar to the customer paul i can hear you um <laughs> nod, nodding in agreement yeah absolutely i i think that's spot on i think the the the, the workplace has changed radically hasn't it over the last 20 years um and i think that will become even more so especially as the new generation of millennials come into the marketplace uh into the workplace you know they've got very different expectations in terms of of the relationship with where they work when they work um they expect a high degree of autonomy in what they're doing um and it's it's our role as employers to provide an environment that facilitates that i mean um you know that we get into this bizarre situation in many companies where people people would prefer to use their home device the personal device to in order to do work on than they would the work one because the work one so locked down and is such a bad experience that they prefer to use their own kit i mean that that just strikes me as madness you know what value does the company provide if not that kind of thing but also just allowing that flexibility you know something like the 9 to 5 workday of us all going into work sitting there for 9 to 5 you know that made sense in the industrial revolution when you had low skilled low paid workers churning out um stuff and needed constant monitoring but these days we've got highly specialized highly skilled individuals that know a lot better than their their manager how to do their job um and they should have the flexibility to work where and when they want so i think you know it's incredibly progressive of uh Verizon to be able to be thinking in this kind of way. I know and it's it's fascinating to hear what you you you're saying Anil and 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 also the kind of perspective you're bringing on this Paul which is I mean what struck me is that your your perception is that that people essentially are alive and during their life they're doing a range of different things some of which if they're working for Verizon involve working for Verizon and and what you're looking for is this sort of almost not quite seamless but a kind of continuum of experience through their day and and it really you know we've been talking about this blurring between the world of work and the rest of life for quite a long time but you're starting to think in a more holistic way about employee experience is is my my understanding from what you're saying 
Yes, that's correct, Paul. And and as Paul mentioned earlier, right, the workforce is changing. If you take example of Verizon, right, Verizon used to have employees who works for Verizon for 20 years, 30 years. But in today's world, we have almost 28% millennial workforce. And as Paul said, the millennial workforce doesn't look at the boundaries of office. They want to work whenever they want to work from wherever they want to work. And in that case, the, the previous kind of arrangement where we used to have offices, we used to have assigned seats, assigned rooms for leaders and everybody else has gone out of the window. It's moreover free seat assignments, which means nobody have any seat assigned. It's first come, first serve. You come in office, you just find a desk and work. If today you have more meetings, you sit in a focus room. You don't sit on a desk. So it's changing rapidly. And if you, uh, if I want to give you an example of Verizon, what we have done uh, from last few years, basically we have converted our offices into open space work environment, which means nobody will have an assigned seat. Instead, it's an activity-based workspace. You come in, the kind of work that day you're doing, you find a seat and you take that seat. And when I say kind of work, if you have too many meetings today, you go in a focus room, you use the room. If you want to have a quiet time, you can use huddle rooms, small rooms, you, you can use quiet places. But if you want to collaborate, you come to the floor and you sit on an open space where you can collaborate with other employees. So it's all activity-based workspace. And that's how at Verizon, we are changing our work culture and work environment from last few years. Yeah, and could you just give me an example, Anil, of some application or service that you've provided to people in Verizon that, that's a sort of reflection of the kind of things that you've been focusing on and, and trying to improve? Sure. So let me give you a few examples. As I said, we are trying to match the workplace by two means. One, by providing the technology which supports activity-based workspace. At the same time, creating the physical environment which really supports this Menelian mindset. From a technology point of view, uh, I have a few examples for you. For example... We now have lit up our all the conference rooms with the iPads. You can walk up to the iPad and you can book a conference room. Earlier, we used to have a situation where people used to book the conference room and they will leave after an hour or after half an hour, even though they have booked the conference room for four hours. So we put in some occupancy sensors within the conference room. Now, what's happening? If somebody end their meeting within an hour and they book the conference room for four hours, now occupancy sensor will sense that nobody's in the room and it will make that conference room available for other people's right away because nobody's in the room. So th that, again, to support the workspace the way people want to use it. The... Other thing I mentioned that we are providing free sitting means there is no assigned 
seat for anybody. In that case, you need to find a seat. We don't want people to walk around and disturb others to find a open space. Instead, we have put in sensors under the desk by which we are monitoring which desks have been taken and which are open. By that way, when somebody walking into the office, we can show on their phone based on their even corporate LDAP hierarchy that where their team is sitting today and what are the seats open around their team. So they do, can straight away go to that open desk and take, take the seat. To even take it one step further, we are trying right now, we are trialing some stuff where we are coupling with this open seat arrangement with wayfinding because we have a lot of big buildings in Verizon. And in big buildings, I can tell you that this seat is open, but at the same time, you may not know how to reach to that seat. So we are trying to give you the building wayfinding within the building by which as soon as you find the seat, you tap on it and it will show you how to reach to that seat. So these are few examples by which we are kind of supporting our different workplace mm -hmm. with the technology. And Paul, is, is this, uh, are these examples of user experience or are these uh, examples of something, something else, something broader? I'm not quite sure. I've long since given up trying to define the edges of jobs these days um, because they, they do touch on one another uh, quite heavily. I think... Uh, yeah, I would describe what I've just heard as as a user experience, but I'm sure somebody else, you know, equally an architect would be interested in this kind of stuff um, because simply because you know, it affects how you design and approach buildings. You know, I can uh, imagine HR people being interested in this kind of stuff because it affects, you know, um, the way employees operate. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a user experience issue, but it's not just that. I think, and I think we need to kind of get out that mindset a little bit because i think as we all specialize more and more in our jobs we've got very deep expertise in a particular area so as a result we need to because we we've almost got tunnel vision right because we're specialized in a particular area it means that in, in, in to provide great experiences we, we need to be collaborating with lots of other people and talking to lots of other people so do, i mean you take the examples um that we've just heard i mean something like you know creating sensors that sit underneath the a desk and monitor whether someone's sitting at that desk you know that's going to take a close collaboration between developers um phys physical hardware producer people i don't even know what to call them um it's going to take user interface designers it's going to take copywriters to provide the the instructions and explanation of how it works it's going to involve you know a management agreeing and signing off budgets there are all these different people all that have to an involvement in in making a decision like that so uh, yeah i've given up saying oh that's a user experience issue it's an everyone issue and i mean and one of the reasons why i wanted to have this particular episode of the podcast focused on user experience in the kind of evolving digital workplace was really uh, i suppose because i've kind of followed user experience for probably more than 10 years now and it, it feel I, I do wonder where it where it's evolving to next and i think probably from what you're saying, Anil, and what your perspective is, Paul, is 
really there's a kind of blurring going on or maybe an, an expanding of our conception. Once we start to think about experience more generally through our work and our day, then it touches on so many different aspects of of, of what happens. Um, I'm just interested to know what you each feel. I mean, there's so much, shall we call it hype or just interest in AI, intelligent systems, the intelligent workplace, the connected workplace. Um, wh- where does the user experience go in this, in this ever more intelligent world? Not sure whether one of you's got any kind of views on that. So I, I can tell you this thing, Paul, and that, you know, no matter what you try to build, no matter what kind of stuff you are working on, the user experience is in the center. Without user experience, there's nothing. As Paul started with saying, whether you are trying to build an e-commerce site, whether you're trying to provide a store experience, and in Verizon, I can relate it to what Paul said earlier, because we have 2,800 stores, which are retail stores within the United States, and we have a pretty big e-commerce presence. And line has been blurred between physical store versus digital experience. The user experience is still in the center. So no matter what you do, whether you provide through artificial intelligence, do machine learning, whether it's a retail experience, whether it's a digital experience, pretty much everywhere, user experience is the most single important thing to provide to the customers as well as to the employees. That, that's my take on it. To just back that up, that, that is so important yet so hard to do, right? And you see this all of the time. You t- take it from a kind of digital workplace environment side of things and maybe a, a smaller organization than we've been talking about so far. The purchase of a content management system, right? Every organization needs a content management system in order to manage their online content. And so what inevitably happens in scenarios like this is people start shopping, they start shopping around, looking at the different platforms and the different um, things that are out there. And they go, oh, that one looks shiny and nice and exciting. Let's buy that one. Rather than starting from the user's need, from the need of the person that is actually going to be using this content management system on a database, uh, daily basis. And oftentimes, the person doing the purchasing is not the person that's going to be the end user. So as you look at all this exciting new stuff that's coming along, machine learning, um, AI, virtual reality, augmented reality, whatever trendy buzzwords you want to latch onto, all of those things have a, a real potential benefit for the user's experience, but equally, they could massively screw up the user experience. And it's where we latch onto these new shiny things for the sake of it, right? And we, we buy them in because they're new and exciting without really thinking through, you know, beginning with a user's problem. Right. Everything should begin with either a a problem that you're solving for a user, a task that you're helping a user to complete or a question you're answering for a user. And if whatever you're looking at doesn't enable or facilitate that, then you're wasting your time, basically. Yeah, that's 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 a very interesting way of, 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 of putting it. So I suppose what you're what you're each saying is that irrespective of of where the digital workplace evolves into, and whatever intelligence it, it, it acquires, um, at the heart of it is is this 
concept of user experience. And I think it's, you know, and I, it's been fascinating to see this go from uh, a term that in the kind of mid nineties people, nobody had any understanding of what it, what it was to something that's now kind of front and center. And I mean, I, I don't know, Anil, do, Sorry, go on, Paul. So I was just going to make a really brief comment there. Well, you talked about the evolution of the digital workplace. It, that almost puts the emphasis in the wrong place. I Don't get me wrong. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, I fully accept it as a term and, and it's fine. But it's not really about how the digital workplace evolves. It's about how people's work evolves. Do you see the subtle difference, right? Yeah. You know, when you talk about that, people's work is going to evolve and change and we need to facilitate that right if you start from the premise of the digital workplace is going to evolve then people have to fit in with however it's going to evolve i I know Mm. it's 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 semantics but that i think is my problem so often is that they introduce you know we we introduce new technology and new things because without starting from the right premise. I mean, everything we've heard so far um, has been about, you know, where there's a need that a user has. They couldn't find, you know, they they could find, know that there's an empty desk, but they couldn't get there. So let's Mm. put a piece of technology to help solve that problem. That's very different from going, oh, look, we've discovered these new sensors. What could we do with them? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I do, and I just... I, I think, I mean, I spend a lot of my time thinking about, you know, the, the, the new demographics in the work, in, in work. I mean, one of the fascinating things, I was at um, Cisco a um, um, couple of weeks ago and just talking about what's it like to have five generations of people uh-huh. in, in work in the same organization. And, and what's fascinating is to think about this generation that's coming after the millennials who, um, according to an MTV survey, they were asking this generation what they wanted to be called, thinking that it was going to be Gen whatever, Gen A, Gen B, Gen I, and they said they wanted to be called the founders. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the things we're, we're probably got a sense of is what work means and what work represents and the role it places in, plays in our lives is going to change so much. Um, and... Anil, when you're thinking about where to focus next in in improving the employee experience for Verizon, presumably there must be so many different places that you could focus. How do you how do you decide where to to put your energy? Sure, uh, that's a pretty good question, Paul. Uh, first of all, uh, I would like to comment on what uh, Paul said earlier, right? I know it's very easy to say that, you know, always uh, user is in the center. And we do that here in Verizon, that always we start from end user because they are the one who are going to use whatever we are producing here. But at the same time, I have found this multiple times that when you sit with user and you ask them, okay, what do you want? What are your needs? Sometimes they themselves don't know. So it's kind of a catch-22. Yes, we want to put the end user in the center because we are developing pretty much everything for the end user. At the same time, you need to try new stuff with those users and see if they would like to adapt to those new things. 
So it's kind of mixed bag, even though user is the one who's going to use all the things we are developing. But at the same time, we need to invoke those experiences, those new experiences in user's mind, which user never ever thought about. So it's kind of a mixed thing where, yes, start with user, empathize with them, try to understand what are their needs. At the same time, bring new experiences from your side for them to try. And if they latch on it, your job is done. Now, now coming back to uh, Paul's question, there are many things I'm working on right now within Verizon. As I said, we are working on this activity-based workspace. We are trying to develop these sensors and make sure that we can support the physical environment with the digital environment. At the same time, we are trying to create a consumer-grade experience for our employees. Because over the period of years, what we learned over on the weekend when users go back in their personal lives, they use Google. This is one of the examples I want to give. They use Google and they get results on their fingertips. They will type in United Airlines 22 and what they will get is, this is a United Airlines going from Newark to California. This is the status of this airline. When they come back on Monday, and we call it Monday Blues, when they come back at work, they try to find similar experience within the workspace too. So that's the one thing we are trying to do is provide the similar experience what they get in their home from these consumer-graded applications. They should get the same experience when they come back to the work. And we have implemented those technologies where if they go on intranet and try to say vacation, instead of showing them a link, we are showing now their real vacation. If they say training, we are showing them the training they are enrolled in or the upcoming training for them, very personalized to them rather than showing another link. So we are trying to match the employee experience with the consumer-grade applications. That's one area we are really, really working hard. The other areas we are working in try to provide 24 by 7 employee experience. As Paul said earlier, both Paul M and Paul (laughs) both said that basically now lines have been blurred. There's no single place where you can go and work. You can work from anywhere. So we are trying to mobilize our all the applications so people can work from wherever they want to work, whenever they want to work. Hmm. That's, that's, that's great. And um, uh, Paul, I mean, when you look back al- along the, the past years and you, you think of the, the user uh, center design projects that you've been involved with, which, which ones sort of stand out for you as, as, you know, fantastic insights? Cause there's always that issue, isn't there? As, as Anil said, when you're asking people what they want, they really don't know mm. what to say. And, 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 and then, you know, we get something and, and, you know, we all remember picking up our first iPod 
it wasn't we were walking around going, I could really do something like that. Mm -hmm. But then when it hits you, it just hits you. Yeah. I think that, and it's really interesting you, you, you said that. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so, so true. You, one of the first things you learn when you, you get into user experience design is, you, you know, um, facilitating the needs of users isn't just about asking them what they want and then doing it. Um, oftentimes, you know, for example, if you say to someone, you, you, do you want more choice? They say, yes, we all want more choice. But actually, if you give people a lot of choice, they're overwhelmed by it. So, you know, it's not just about doing what people want. And like you say, there are there are times when they can't picture or imagine a better way of doing it. So one of the things that I most enjoy, and I don't get to do it as much as I'd like to, if I'm honest, but one of the things I most enjoy is where I go and actually shadow people and watch them. And watch what they're doing and ask them questions as they do it. I mean, unsurprisingly, you don't do it that often because it, it must annoy the hell out of the people you're shadowing. But um, it is actually incredibly enlightening. Um, even, uh, you know, and you think within a work environment, I think it's particularly important. If you if you want to understand how people are working and um, you'll spot things that you'll go, ah, oh, you know, if we had an RDF chip here then you know we could solve this problem or if there was a bit of machine learning that worked that out for them it would save them a load of time you know so it's through observation that you really learn but there's another aspect to it as well i, I did it I, if i'm honest i've done it more on the consumer side rather than internally within organizations where i've gone and visited people's homes and it's incredibly enlightening not just because of the the things that you learn about, you know, from a, from a, a how I'm going to change the user interface or whatever point of view, but from a, a kind of understanding the people and understanding as well the realities rather than the hypotheticals. So let me give you an example. We went into a, a lady's home and she had, she was an incredible lady. Her house was full of knickknacks, you know, little bits that were all on every flat surface. There was, there was something from some travels because she traveled the world through her life. And she also had a house full of cats. She was the stereotypical cat lady. And we sat down just in order to provide a little bit of context to what we were doing. We thought we'd do a bit of usability testing while we were there. So we got her to call up the website, the wonderfully crafted website that we'd spent months working on. We'd got people into the usability labs to, to, to test that it was working. We were pretty confident, really, but we were just kind of using it as a, 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 an excuse for turning up at our house and having a nose round, really. But actually, the results were quite shocking because in the real world, things don't work like they do in the usability lab. For a start, through the whole um, presentation, or through a whole test session, she had a cat on her lap. A cat just kept jumping on her lap every time and she'd push it on the floor and it jumped back up. So that was a constant distraction. Then there was one point in this usability testing where we said, OK, I want you to add a product to your basket. Click added. Right. Now I want you to. And I stopped mid sentence because I knew that she was going to utterly fail the next action. Right. With the next action was go to the shopping basket. Now, you know, I've been doing this for a long length of time. I know the shopping basket is an important thing. And so, you know, we tested the crap out of it. We knew that that shopping basket was really, you know, really clear, really obvious. So why was she going to fail? 
where she was going to fail because she'd put a post-it note over the top right-hand corner of her screen (laughs) that covered up the shopping basket. Now, I'm not... Obviously, you can't design for those kinds of things. But what I'm getting at, I guess, is by actually spending time with users, going and seeing what they're doing, you get insights into them, into how they think, how they work, how they see the world that enables you to start designing for their real needs rather than for what they ask for i guess mm-hmm. no that's a great it's a, a great way of putting it and a great a great um a great story i mean for you um anil is there some particular application some some service that you've provided that that really is is your kind of this is just me at my best so i i can say that you know what just paul said that's very much true I have we have experienced this uh, firsthand that we designed some product and we launched it uh, to a trial users, and when we went to the call centers or the frontline employees to see how they are using this product and w- what are they doing, we clearly can see the difference designing a product sitting in your office versus going to the user and really sitting with them and. S- just watching and listening how they are serving the end customer and how they are utilizing this product. So that, that makes a hell lot of a difference. Means, means I have seen it multiple times, not even one time. And the, the question you asked, like what really, you know, we have done lately, the basically one of the things which we have done lately is we have 128 buildings. Uh, here in the United States, which are pretty big office buildings, even though we have 15,000 total buildings, but 128 office buildings. And one thing we realized that oftentimes you need a lot of maintenance on those buildings. And we wanted to involve our employees in taking care of those buildings in a timely fashion. Think about a scenario if in one corner of the building there is a leak and if that leak is there for like two months it's going to cost a hell lot of money versus if we can provide some sort of application to our users where they can easily report those kind of issues and in a timely fashion we can fix those issues then it not only save a lot of money for the company at the same time it improves the employee experience so we developed the app, which is very simple app, three-step. Anywhere you are in the building, you see some problem, you just take a picture and scan the QR code nearby and just hit submit nice. and you're done. That's great and, and, and fantastic story for us to close on, Anil, and thank you so much for that. Well, we've, we've run out of time and I'd really just want to thank both of you so much for your fantastic and fascinating insights. It's really got me thinking about where work ends and life begins and, and, and it's all part of one continuous flow. So thanks so much to you and to Paul Boag, founding partner at Boag Works and to uh, Anil Kumar, who's director of IT and employee experience at Verizon. So thank you so much, Paul, and and thank you so much to you, Anil. Thank you. Thank you. 
You have been listening to Digital Workplace Impact, a podcast produced by the digital workplace group, DWG. DWG is a strategic partner and a boutique consultancy. It supports more than 100 businesses and public institutions around the world to help them make their digital workplaces a heck of a lot better. And it does that through benchmarking, through research and interaction. And you can find out more about Digital Workplace Group at digitalworkplacegroup.com. If you want to listen to previous episodes of the show, you can do so by going to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash DWG underscore podcast. And this is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time.